Presented by T-Mobile, the official wireless partner of Odyssey Sports. With an awesome network and great savings, there's never been a better time to join T-Mobile. Visit your neighborhood store to make the switch today. <sighs> Spring is a time of renewal, so why not refresh your home with a little help from Blinds.com? We make getting custom window treatments a minor project with major impact. Choose from premium blinds, shades, and shutters. We even have options for your patio, too. Blinds.com invented a better way to shop for custom window treatments. There's no pushy salespeople in your home or inflated showroom prices. Our design experts can help you find the perfect window treatments on your schedule. We'll even send free samples directly to you. Plus, we can handle the measuring and installation for you. Unlimited window treatments installed for just one low cost. And with Blinds.com, you'll always get transparent pricing. No hidden fees. Our free shipping and 100% satisfaction guarantee can put the spring back into your step. And into your home, too. Shop Blinds.com right now and save up to 45%. Up to 45% off for a limited time at Blinds.com. Blinds.com. Rules and restrictions may apply. We had the final round of the Masters at Augusta, and Hideki Matsuyama got his green jacket. Here to give us all the details on a fun tournament, although I'm not sure how it ended. We'll get uh, Matt Adams' insights on this uh, from the Golf Channel and his show, Fairways of Life, nationally syndicated and podcast everywhere to get your best podcasts. How are you, Mr. Adams? I'm good, Jody Mack. Yeah, it was. it, it ended up being the typical masters at least from the perspective of being a roller coaster at the end you weren't sure what was going to happen i i almost put the kibosh on hideki and i was ready to shoot myself because when he was up by four strokes with four holes to play i said well this is all but over the fat lady is uh more than just uh humming you can hear her uh getting prepared in the background to start singing and then you get that two stroke swing and i said oh my god it's down to two i thought i put the maloiki on him which my daughter would have never forgiven me because she picked him at 55 to one. Uh, so I was ready to kill myself here. Um, but he did hold on. And that's the way you have to describe this. He held on. He bogeyed three of the last four holes. It yeah. was supposed to be a coronation. What it turned out to be was a big sigh of relief. Was it not? Yeah. You know, I, I definitely think he showed nerves at the end. I think the way that history will write the story is that well he did what he had to do he ends up winning the masters by one and there's lots of champions that have done that exact thing jack nicholas was famous for doing precisely what he had to do just enough so that he would win tiger many times did the same bogey the last in order to win as well uh, but in this case as you well noted to bogey three of the last four holes uh, yes, it was about what Hideki did to get himself into that position. But when there was a triple bogey at the 16th by Xander Shoffley, who was on the mark that would be the winning score of 10 under at the time, he also got lucky that the guys around him, especially Xander, who had an absolute charge going on at that point, wasn't able to close the deal that time because Xander had already birdied 12, 13, 14, and 15 coming in, into that hole, and it just felt like something was going to happen, like momentum was starting to shift, and maybe we'd have a real race down the end here between two players, but ultimately one and two ended up being Matsuyama in a, in a debut by Will Zalatoris. It's, it's in, rec, in reflection, it's pretty amazing. 
Right, and I want to get to Zalatoris because I was, uh, was not cognizant of him being a potential contender this week. That's for damn sure, and I want to give the young man a lot of credit. Uh, the shot on 15 that Hideki blew the green off the back into the water. How badly do you have to hit it to get it all to, all the way to the water at the back of 15? Well, it's not, it's, not, it's not that bad a shot, to tell you the truth, Jody Mack. It's because of how sharply that, that the back of that green is sloped towards that water on 16. So if you rewatch the shot, he definitely overcooked it. He definitely was aggressive. He spoke about it afterwards. And you could tell that he was feeling the nerves and he felt like he needed to be aggressive instead of, I don't know, play it anywhere else on the green. Uh, God forbid you, you, you lay up. I know that players get heavily criticized for that, but versus <laughs> hitting it into the water. So it isn't actually as horrible a shot as the result was of it, but it was not a good shot. And then he was able to only take a bogey as compared to, as you said, the big number that Shoffley put up at 16. How bad a shot was that? Again, the only thing you don't want to do when you've got momentum going your side is dropping the drink, and that's exactly what he did. We did see guys who were right there at the top of the leaderboard with a chance to win. Of course, one of them did win. Um, but And Shoffley had been on that hot streak, and he played that shot. What the hell happened there? What, what I respect what Xander did was he was not playing for just hang in there and see what happens. He could have done that. He had the entirety of the green open to him. He could have put it anywhere else on the green. If he had put it on the top, especially towards the top middle right, it would have been a very difficult two-putt, but he could have put it there and been safe. The reason why he hit it in the water was he missed it, as the players like to say, by a groove, but he was trying to hit it on the front of the green so that the ball would release down towards the hole with the slope of that green, and then you have another shot of another birdie. So, again, when you look at a shot in that situation, you go, gosh, it looks like something we'd do on a Saturday or on a Wednesday in the Industrial League. It actually wasn't. The mentality was that he was trying to hit a very aggressive shot. He didn't pull off the very aggressive shot, and he got severely penalized for it, not only because of what he did, because his recovery shot wasn't any good. So it, it was, I think, but at that point, I think, you know, it's just me speculating. I think the winds come out of the lungs a little bit. And you go, oh, man, I just blew my chances. And then you still got to hit the, the, you know, from the recovery area that the, after you take a penalty stroke and a drop there. So, yeah, it was, it was from, a, from a finish standpoint, from a pure drama standpoint, it was definitely kind of a bummer. I mean, I'm happy for, for Matsuyama, but you want to see a battle right down to the end. Here's where I disagree with you on this one. And, man, I feel bad whenever I disagree with Matt Adams on golf, but I do. (laughs) The Sunday pin placement gives you the chance to get it in within feet. You need to be pinpoint perfect. you got to hit it right into the uh, incline, but then it feeds right down to the hole. And he was so on his game that that's the shot I make because the downside is you don't hit it. All right, it stays up there. Now you got an unbelievable shot. you got to turn like you're facing the water and watch it all in and be able to take that shot. But if you hit it right, you're almost guaranteed to be inside of five feet. And you do have a pretty good incline to shoot at. I thought that going for the front of the green and just trying to get it perfectly placed within three feet was a strategical error. I, I play into the bank and let the ball trickle back down. How many times have we seen that on Sunday on 16? I thought that was the play there. 
Yeah, I mean, obviously, he doesn't have your your depth of experience in the game of golf, Jody Mack. But <laughs> he <laughs> he was, uh, in my opinion, he was trying to hit that same slope. You're not actually disagreeing with me as much as you think he is. He was trying to hit the same bowl, bowl sloping that you're talking about there. He was just going for a birdie. That's what he was. That's why he was playing so aggressively. But no mistake about it, he didn't hit a good shot. It wasn't just about strategy. He missed it, and he came up probably five, 10 feet short of where he needed to hit it minimum. And in that situation, and as we know at Augusta National, you have to be much more exacting. And congrats to Hideki Matsuyama, who gets the championship. Amazing card today after yesterday, going bogey-less, none on the entire 18 holes. He had five of them today. He had four birds to kind of balance that out, but he had five bogeys, yeah. uh, including three of the last four holes. So, again, a big sigh of relief at the end of it. But he got to the lead and had the cushion that he had because he was so great on Saturday. And Saturday was a testy course. Certainly early before the rain, it was really testy. Afterwards, you could fire at the pins. It was a little damp, and the ball was holding real well. Uh, he took big advantage of that. If he didn't have the lead that he had and had the finish, he doesn't end up putting on the green jacket. How much do we have to give him credit for just getting the lead as big as it was and being able to hold on? You know, it's interesting you bring that up because there there are some interesting things about Hideki Matsuyama that make him unique. He works really hard at taking himself, uh, my words, not his, out of the moment so that he's not consumed by it. Uh, So yesterday, when they had the delay... He wasn't, if you've ever been in a clubhouse during a tournament delay, everybody pours in there. The people who have the credentials to get in, the, the members, if they can get in there. I don't know. I don't remember what Augustus' policy is with, with members getting in the clubhouse during tournament week. From what I recall, they can. Uh, that All the players are in there, the coaches, the, blah, blah, blah. So there's no place to go. I mean, a, a chair is a premium. Matsuyama went out to his car. And he sat in his car, and he, got, had, he had his own quiet time. And he sat there and focused and concentrated on what he wanted to accomplish in the rest of the day. And as we know, as you noted, he came out on fire, ends up shooting a 65, sees himself vaulted to the top of the leaderboard by then some to give him a cushion coming into today. He's an interesting guy. He likes to just week in and week out on tour – to keep himself loose, to kind of keep his mind and his body fresh, he likes to play catch. So he travels with baseball gloves and a ball and says, hey, Jody Mack, you want to play catch with me? <laughs> sure, yeah, throw the ball back and forth. Yeah, interesting stuff about this guy. Uh, so, And he also he, he lives pretty much full-time in Orlando, Florida. And not maybe it'll change now because he's a Masters champion, I don't know, but not one of these really, really, really high-end you know, communities where, where tons of um, touring professionals, it's like a, a really nice family community. And he has a daughter, and it's interesting to me because I, I, was, I was wondering about this as I was getting ready to go on with you. He hasn't won since 2017. His daughter was born in July of 2017. He has one daughter. He's 29. Okay. And I wondered if, you know, we always talk about how it changes a player potentially if they become a parent. They usually go in one of two directions. Either they become like the uber golfer of all time and they want to prove to the world and their family that they can do this, or they kind of go, you know what? I'm enjoying life. I don't have to. I think, I think Rory's going through a little bit of that, trying to find the balance now after becoming a dad and all the rest. 
And I wonder if this is Hideki coming back on the scene again and knocking on the door of major championships or, in this case, winning major championships with regularity. So, I don't know. There's a lot to contemplate about him. Interesting stuff. Great stories from Matt Adams of the Golf Channels and his Fairways of Life show here with us on CBS Sports Radio. The reason why I'm not going to come down too harsh on three bogeys in the last four rounds and making him and all of his backers and everybody was rooting for him sweat the first two holes of the tournament were great today, at least from the leader's standpoint. He goes out and puts up a bird. Um, his nearest competitor, uh, birdie, birdie, the first two holes. And the fourth-stroke lead becomes a one-stroke lead before you could even bat an eye. And then, boom, he comes right back and birdies the second hole to open it up again. Then uh, Zalatoris gives a stroke back, and now it's back to three. And he was able to keep it at that right until the very end, until the 18th green. So I give him a lot of credit because if there was going to be a fold here, and I watched your channel, Golf Channel, for hours before it got going today, and they recanted some of the all-time great collapses, Greg Norman being the biggest of all, but there have been many at Augusta over the years, and it was a very well-done story. Um, I When it starts like that, I go, oh, my God, it's uh, right away. Uh, yesterday it was uh, a different uh, collapse. Now it's going to be a Hideki collapse for Justin Rose into Hideki. We had two collapses in one tournament. You don't usually see that. But to his credit, he put that bogey in one right behind him, and he played damn good golf until he got to the last four holes. Yeah, I mean, ultimately, and he did do that in fairness to him. So he was level par on today's round through seven holes. Then he birdies the par five eighth. He birdies nine. And it looked like he had solidified himself, and he was just going to cruise in until bogeys at 12 and 15 and 16 and 18, another birdie at the par 5, 13th. And that's how it got so tight. But really what it comes down to is what we were talking about a moment ago, Jody Mack, and that is, you know, obviously he was the hunted. You had this pack that was coming after him that just didn't seem to be able to get anything going early enough, fast enough, aggressive enough, and you're like – well, this is going to be kind of a boring afternoon or just watching someone march to victory. That's going to be a very significant victory on the international golf stage at the very least. Uh, but then he went from being the, the, the hunted to being the hunter, and he had to. And then at middle stretch, when he started making birdies again and, start, and said, you know what, I'm not going to give this thing up. It sure it got interesting down the end, but what really happened was Xander's triple at 16. If that had gone any other way, even if it was a bogey instead of instead of a six, this would have been, I think, a different conversation that we're having. And I know it's the cliche to say, uh, you know, you need to get lucky to win. I don't know whether whether uh, an opponent making a triple would be considered lucky. I suppose one man's uh, disaster is another man's luck. But yep. that's really what happened here. That, that, that if he if he had continued on the course that he was on, and Xander had even played even par, we'd be in a playoff. So, I mean, again, hard to do that in sports. You shouldn't do it in sports. It's all speculation. Uh, he's, the, he's the winner of the Masters. He did what he had to do when he had to do it, but he couldn't have done it if, if he didn't get help from the field. Matt Adams of the Golf Channel, our guest here on CBS Sports Radio. All right, uh, tell us about Mr. Zelatoris. Uh, as a Masters rookie, I'll be honest, I dismissed him. Not that he wasn't a good young player and uh, glad for him to make the tournament, go out, get some experience in. Maybe he got a chance to get a green jacket someday. To have the tournament that he had, having never played in the Masters 
Perfor was uh, tremendously impressive, even as he was the guy who cut it to one stroke. He hung in there. Yeah, he took the bogey on three, and he had a couple more uh, near the turn. Uh, but he did get two birdies down the stretch to move into sole possession in second place. He's a guy now we've got to uh, put in our memo books and say he's someone that we're going to consider for all these big tournaments going forward, are we not? Yeah, isn't it amazing? I mean, it's so much fun to see what took place. And and the stories that I love in, in sport in general, but in, in golf specifically too, are the things that happen that make you scratch your head. And you go, really? When he was three years old, right? His family was in Northern California. His dad and his mom have him on a range hitting some golf balls. Three years old, he's swinging away. World Golf Hall of Fame member uh, Ken Venturi comes over, uh, sees this little boy, says to the little boy, here, here's how you grip a club. Don't forget that grip. Don't ever change it. There it is. That kind of run-in. He goes, he's, he's in Plano, Texas. That's, that's where he lives. Uh, I spoke to him, and I, and I was said, like, dude, how did you come out after the pandemic lockdown, seemingly on fire, earned special temporary membership status on the PGA tour. All of a sudden you're in all these conversations. Uh, you, you finished in the top six at the U S open, you know, all this stuff. What, what, what happened to you? Type to what was he? type the seventh at farmers, eighth at Corrales, put top 10 at the Arnold Palmer invitation. He said, I played golf the whole pandemic with Tony Romo nonstop. And he says, Tony Romo chirps and he's a good player. And, I can't remember if he gives him handicap strokes. I think he said Romo won't take him, but I don't remember. Uh, but Jordan Spieth, another another uh, tour player that's there that they play, and there's a bunch more. So they were playing these intense money games the whole time they were in the lockdown. He's Will Zalatoris at 24 years old is very good friends with Lanny Watkins. Well, I don't know about you, but Lanny Watkins, when he was competing, would slice your throat. He was like the most <laughs> competitive in the world. And right. so Zalatoris was, said that Lanny, just in talking to him, was constantly giving him advice. And then he said Lanny didn't even realize it, but everything that he ever said to me, he said, I took and stored away. He said, Lanny told me, I think it was close to a decade ago, and remember, the kid's 24, of how to play the 12th hole at Augusta National, a secret which he didn't reveal, but he said that Lenny had told him and he never forgot it. So it's amazing to me that when you have these stories, again, in sport and golf, these interactions, these, these crossroads with legends, he's had it all. And he's got this wonderful confidence about him, but it, it's not an arrogance. It, it, maybe it's a little bit of a bravado, but it's certainly not arrogant. And he just believes in himself. He's a great ball striker. He's had great, obviously, success already. And, yeah, I think you're right, Jody Back. I think that when we're talking about big events and majors going forward, that confidence, just like we've seen from Rory when he broke through and Jordan when he broke through, we probably have a run in front of us that should be pretty fun to watch. Well, now, now that I know, now that you give me all this insight, I know that he didn't look like a rookie. I dismissed him because he was a rookie, but he's not a rookie. He had all these great experiences leading up to this tournament this week, and he finished a very good second. While guys like Rory and DJ and Kepka, Kepka will cut some slack because he's still working back from the injury, and Cantlay, uh, all top 10, top 20 ranked world players 
couldn't even make the cut. Just a bad two days, or do you really need to think to that for the rest well, of the year that these you gotta, guys? you got to take it by, by person there. Rory, you do read more into that. I mean, Rory recently put Pete Cowan on his team. I spoke to Pete Cowan about being on Rory's team, and I said, what are you doing here? Is this a... You need to you know, cover the house in a tent and bring it down because it's got termites. He's like, no, 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 no. This isn't a rebuild. This is just a tweak. Well, they just started, and that's pretty hard to just start right before you go into a major championship. So I'd say that's what happened there. Brooks is clear. The, the right knee is still giving him a problem. I give him all the props and, and credit that he, that he showed up. DJ, I don't know what happens. Uh, the best thing I can tell you is maybe if you're looking, like, say, for excuse that's outside of a play. Maybe it was on the bad side of the draw because the winds kicked up in the afternoon and early in the week before the rains. Augusta National was playing like we were trying to play down your wooden staircase. It was so hard. So maybe that's what happened there. Uh, Cantlay, that's definitely what I saw in the afternoon when he shot, what, a 79 to start? So, And once you start that, there's, there's not many places you can go from there. So, yeah, it kind of varies by player. Uh, it was interesting because when Bobby Jones built – Augusta National, uh, uh, Mackenzie is the, the architect, and obviously Bobby Jones also uh, consulted on it. He wanted it to play like an inland links. He wanted to basically be like an inland St. Andrews, which is interesting because it's way hillier than St. Andrews. <laughs> but for the first, what, two and a half days, it played like an inland links. It was windy. It was hard. It was running. The difference is that's unlinked-like of it is that the, a lot of the greens are actually raised with false fronts. And when that happens, now you can't run it in there as much, or say you got Ray's Creek in front of you, you can't run it in there as much as you would on a regular length. So you have to launch it in the air. And when you've got 20-plus mile-per-hour gusts on top of it being hard, that if it hits, it's going to bound over. In many cases, it did. That's a tough combination. So it's going to mess up a leaderboard. Yeah, the wind was a factor in round number two. On that, we agree. All right, two last things for you. Number one, I've read a couple of stories on this, and I, I understand the business of sports not as well as I understand just breaking down what a guy's doing, why people win, why people lose. I, I get the dollars and cents for the most part, but uh, I'm that's not my for, forte. How much can this potentially mean for Hideki Matsuyama when it comes to endorsements and being the king of his country? I know how big golf is in Japan. I read some speculatory stories that we're talking about hundreds of millions of dollars. Do you concur with those? Is, is, is that the kind of dollar figure we're looking at over the course of the next however many years, being the first Japanese player to ever lead a round in a major and now to win that major in the Masters? How much of a windfall is Hideki looking at? Yeah, I mean, as the first male golfer from Japan to win the Masters and the first male golfer from Japan to win a major, I actually do think those estimates are correct. I heard one estimate today of saying upwards to a billion dollars. I can remember... Oh. Doug Sanders, who came in second at major championships five times and famously losing the 1970 Open against Jack Nicklaus in a playoff when he missed that little putt, he said that that putt cost him $100 million. Now, this is back in the Austin Power days of the 1960s. So what is that now forward 60 years? Uh, could it be worth hundreds of millions of dollars for a player to do something that no other player, male golfer, has done in his country? Absolutely, it can be worth that. So uh, on the business side, in terms of endorsements, in terms of using him to reach, in terms of rights fees, uh, back to the tour, et cetera, et cetera, it can have a massive impact. 
Understood, and more power to him. May he enjoy it all. Uh, last thing, I didn't hear from your producer this week, probably because I booked you later in the week, and uh, you might not have said anything to him. On your fancy day after the Masters Monday show on Fairways of Life, you've given any, uh, away any uh, killer clubs or anything like that? No, we didn't. We didn't do any of that this week. We were we were going to, but I didn't feel like distracting the message of the Masters with okay. with any type of giveaways. What it's funny because uh, Don, my producer, called me right before I was going on with you, and he's your typical producer. He takes too much time to, to give you the message that he's supposed to give. And I was like, Dom, I got to come on with Jody Mack. I got to run. But he said that what he wants to do on my show tomorrow. We're on at eight a.m. He wants to speak to Japanese golf professionals of which we have a couple of in our rolodex that we're going to touch base with and find out what impact this is going to have culturally because everyone keeps telling us this is going to be major on the world stage for the game of golf uh well why and what's the impact going to be and what's going on in japan right now how euphoric uh, was it Uh, what were the ratings like those are things that i'm curious about I started the conversation for you by asking you how many tens or hundreds of millions can the decky get. You'll find out for sure. You'll get a better grasp of it tomorrow when you get your Japanese pros on. Matt, always a pleasure. You bring insight every time you join us. I thank you much. Uh, before you know it, we'll be talking about the next major. Thanks for hopping on with us tonight. Looking forward to it, Jody Mac. Thank you, sir. Matt Adams, Golf Channel Series, uh, his, uh, his show, uh, Fairways of Life, is nationally syndicated and then podcast immediately thereafter. Uh, if you want to listen to golf talk at its finest, you got to tune in to Matt Adams. <sighs> Spring is a time of renewal, so why not refresh your home with a little help from Blinds.com? We make getting custom window treatments a minor project with major impact. Choose from premium blinds, shades, and shutters. We even have options for your patio, too. Blinds.com invented a better way to shop for custom window treatments. There's no pushy salespeople in your home or inflated showroom prices. Our design experts can help you find the perfect window treatments on your schedule. We'll even send free samples directly to you. Plus, we can handle the measuring and installation for you. Unlimited window treatments installed for just one low cost. And with Blinds.com, you'll always get transparent pricing. No hidden fees. Our free shipping and 100% satisfaction guarantee can put the spring back into your step. And into your home, too. Shop Blinds.com right now and save up to 45%. Up to 45% off for a limited time at Blinds.com. Blinds.com. Rules and restrictions may apply. We really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s. And each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T-Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month with auto-pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto-pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee at 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling account to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. See T-Mobile.com. 